Welcome once again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. I'm Pastor Travis Alltop. You're listening to a ministry of Bluegrass Pike Baptist Church from right here in Danville, Kentucky. Thank you for tuning in again this week, and we trust and pray that you're getting help from these Bible lessons we conduct here on the Searching the Scriptures radio program each and every week. And as always, we invite you to get your Bible open and follow along with us in the Word of God that you might see these uh, promises and see these truths for yourself. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Really, our program is designed for two reasons. We want to present the gospel in a real way, a scriptural way, and give a chance, give a sinner a chance to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, to move out of the realm of doubt and confusion and unbelief into a, a realm of, of uh, confidence, assurance, and full belief and trust in the promises of God. And before a man can serve God, he must first have a new nature, and you can only get that new nature by being born again. So we emphasize the gospel quite often on this broadcast. It is the most important message ever given to man. One time a person in town here told me, you know, you don't talk about uh, this, that, or the other, and I forget it was all temporal things. We're not much interested in dealing in temporal uh, on this program. Uh, Pop psychology, you can get that off Christian radio all week long. What I want to give you is the truths of the Word of God. We want to help sinners see their need of the Savior and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then secondly, our goal is to strengthen Christians, those that have been born again, with the truths of the Word of God, that they might have confidence in the book that God has preserved and given to us for the day and age we live in, and that you might have the truths to live by as a born-again believer. This week, I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts the book of Acts, the seventh chapter, Acts chapter seven. And I want to do a study today from the word of God for you believers on um, the signs of being spirit filled. And let us say this while you're turning to Acts chapter seven, let me say this, that many times, uh, probably a big portion of my audience are Baptist people, and that's fine. If you're not a Baptist, you're welcome to listen. I'm glad you're tuned in. But many times my Baptist friends uh, and family often are nervous about scriptural terminology. And as we have discussed on uh, previous broadcasts, that the phrase filled with the Holy Ghost or full of the Holy Ghost has kind of come into uh, uh, disrepute, if you will, with many believers because people sometimes have used that doctrine or that terminology to promote uh, uh, ignorant practices in churches, and many people assume that if you use that terminology, you're going to uh, do something crazy or something out of control or make a scene, uh, a fair show in the flesh is what the Bible calls it, in a church service. But I'm here to tell you that the term full of the Holy Ghost or filled with the Spirit, are those are New Testament terms, biblical terms, and we should not be afraid of those terms. It's just like the terms predestination and election. I rejoice in those terms. When someone, and I've told our people here at Bluegrass Pike, when someone says, well, do y'all believe in predestination? Your answer should be absolutely. Yes. Why? Because those terms are in the Bible. Those terms are found in our New Testament. What we must find out, we must define what those terms mean. And that may be where we different are different. That's where we differ, if you will. And that's the same when it comes to this doctrine of being filled with the Holy Ghost. And so sometimes the best way to study your Bible is through comparison and contrast. 
And so here we have in Acts chapter 7, I'm going to call your attention down to verse 51. And let me just give you the uh, context of what we're studying today. Acts chapter 7, uh, the seventh chapter of the book of Acts, is actually the longest chapter in the book of Acts. Uh, it is um, very uh, in, instructive in the fact that it is basically an Old Testament overview preached by a man named Stephen. Stephen is also known, uh, to those of you who read your Bible much at all, he is known as the first martyr of the church that God records here. He was killed in Jerusalem. In fact, the persecution had come to a fever pitch. Uh, the irritation, the agitation of the religious crowd in Jerusalem had been brought to a fever pitch, so much so that Stephen, when he uh, makes his arguments from the Scripture, it's an airtight argument, and he brings them from the beginning, and he uses the Old Testament book that the Jews had studied, these Pharisees, these scribes, and all that had gathered up there in the council to hear Stephen. They hear him expound an overview of the book, and he brings them right down at the close of his message to point them to the fact that they had crucified their own Messiah. They had crucified the Son of God, the promised one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's pick it up here in verse 51, and we're going to read down to the end of the chapter, and then I want to show you something and talk about uh, the marks of a spirit-filled man. Look at verse 51. Here is the close of the great martyr Stephen's message. After he has brought them through the Old Testament, he says this in verse 51, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. And so he closes his message. Here's his invitation. Uh, Stephen, after proving from the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ, after having proven and applied the Scriptures of their guilt, that they were guilty of murdering him, just like their fathers, he brought their relatives in it. Stephen concludes not by saying, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, and uh, the piano player playing softly, no, he's, he's, none of that's going on here at the invitation. He slaps their guilt on them and amen and leaves the work to the Holy Ghost. And what a work the Spirit of God does. Because verse 54 says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Listen, when a man filled with the Holy Ghost gets up and preaches the Word of God in truth, it is a powerful message. And the Spirit of God will cut the heart and trouble the conscience. And right here, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Listen, that is conviction. They felt the conviction fall. The Word of God, through a Spirit-filled servant of God, brings conviction every time. And the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. And right here, these people, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. But rather than repent, the Bible says they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, comma, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Boy, that's sure uh, an amazing thing to see as he is in the process of dying. He's about to be killed. 
And that uh, transition, his departure of his soul from his body is about to uh, take place. And right before that, God opens up heaven and allows Stephen to see into heaven. And we see Jesus Christ standing uh, right next to the throne of God the Father. He stood up from his own throne and he's looking down. And we know that he had taken his seat there after the work was done. And we know that here he has stood up. He is standing when Stephen has preached the truth and is about to be martyred. And in verse 57, the Bible says, Then they, speaking of the religious crowd, they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears. They didn't want to hear any more of it. And they ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Notice that he is dying. He doesn't say receive my body. No, his body is about to die. What's happening is he's about to, he's a, death is departure, and it's the inward man that departs this outward body of clay, this outward body of flesh. And he does not say, Lord Jesus, receive my body, but rather, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That's why the scripture says absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Because for the born again, redeemed, blood washed child of God, when you die, your spirit and soul depart and you go to be with God and you are with the Lord, which is far better. Paul had a desire to depart and to be with the Lord, which is far better. Thank God. And verse 60 says, here they're stoning him. It says, and he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And of course, that's the death of the body. That's the natural death. But the spirit departs and goes to be with the one who was standing to receive him here at the close of Acts chapter 7. Now, I'll not get into all of the things that change after Acts chapter 7 because when Stephen is martyred, the gospel herald begins to go outward from Jerusalem. It's as though God begins to lay aside uh, the nation of Israel. The first seven chapters of the book of Acts is nothing but a witness of the apostles to the resurrection of the Messiah and them using the Old Testament scriptures to show that Jew that the man that they had killed just a few months before uh, in the, outside the city walls of Jerusalem was none other than the Son of God manifest in the flesh, the Messiah that had been promised all along, and Israel was given another opportunity to receive their king, their Messiah. But after Acts chapter 7, the persecution of Stephen, uh, it gets so intense there in Jerusalem that the church goes everywhere. That's men and women preaching the word and witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll not talk about that today, but I want to call your attention to this, and that is there is a great contrast here at the close of Acts chapter 7 between the Holy Ghost-filled man, the Christian who's walking in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, versus those who are without the Spirit. Now, contrast is a great way to study the Word of God. The contrast comes between the natural man and the spiritual man here in this passage, because you'll notice uh, it speaks of they. The they of Acts 7 was Stephen's audience, And it was all unbelievers, people who did not have the Holy Ghost living within them. So the Bible refers to people without the Spirit of God, unsaved people, simply as natural men and women. And the natural man does not have the Spirit of God, and he is just natural. He is controlled by his five senses. 
And here we see the contrast. Verse 54 says they were cut to the heart by the application that Stephen made of the word of God. In the, in the, the hand of the servant of God, he took the sword of the Lord, the sword of God, and the Spirit of God brought the truth home to their heart, and they were cut to the heart. Verse 54 says, These men with, that were natural without the Spirit of God, they gnashed on him with their teeth. And uh, amen. And they're tuning up, uh, amen, for the attitude and posture they will have in an eternal hell because the Bible speaks of uh, people who weep and wail and gnash their teeth in that place. That's a place of frustration. And here these Jews are frustrated with this man. And rather than repent and believe upon Jesus Christ as their Messiah, instead they gnash on him with their teeth. Verse 57 says they cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. Lost men who resist the Holy Ghost willfully and reject the truth and will not listen are often united in their disgust with a true disciple and servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, it's the natural man who resists the workings of the Spirit of God, and oftentimes he is controlled by his rage and by his emotions. And let me say right here, as we look at this passage, uh, someone who walks in the Spirit is not one who is easily uh, angered and not one who easily loses control of himself. Amen. You need to have control of your emotions. And verse 55, I think that the key to understanding this is how the Spirit of God, after we hear about what they do, it says, but he. And so you're, the, he, God contrasts those unbelieving Jews who are angered and out of control and full of rage and their emotions are out of control and they're about to murder an innocent man, another one. Uh, they are contrasted with he being Stephen, but he, comma, being full of the Holy Ghost. And so what are some of the differences between Stephen and these natural men who are out of control? Well, let me point out, first of all, there was a difference in their countenance. Because if you'll recall, back in Acts chapter 6, when we were first introduced to this great character in the Bible, Stephen, Acts chapter 6, he floods onto the scene out of nowhere, and he gives us a great example of a good godly man and one who makes for a great deacon and a servant of the church. We see Stephen in Acts chapter 6 show up in a blaze of glory and go out in an even greater blaze at the end of Acts 7. But the Bible says of Stephen that all that sat in the council, that's the people that are about to murder him at the close of his sermon, they look, looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And can I tell you something, that walking with God brings the peace of God, and walking in the Spirit will bring a countenance that is relaxed, a countenance that is full of joy. There's just something about it. There's just a glow that goes with that. Now, Stephen, they noticed right off the bat in his face that there was a glow about him like that of an angel. I'll give you an example of something that always got my attention. There was a lady I would encourage some of you listening, if you like to read, I would encourage you to get a book written by uh, about a woman by the name of Carla Faye Tucker. And the book's title is Set Free. It's about the life and the execution of Carla Faye Tucker. Some of you may have been familiar with it. Carla Faye Tucker was a notorious uh, murderer back in the 1980s. She uh, was known as the pickaxe murderer. And I won't get into all the uh, the depravity of, of her crimes uh, when she was all out of her mind on drugs and under the control of her father, Satan. But uh, listen, she went to a prison there in Texas in 1984, and uh, she was sentenced to death. They put her on death row. 
And uh, sometime soon after she was uh, put in jail, she came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and she was gloriously saved by the grace of Almighty God. And she lived for 15 years. They put her to death in February of 1998. And you know something that's amazing about this woman? When you read any, even the mildest accounts of what she did, it's just gruesome. But when you see the picture of this woman, I'll never forget the first time I saw the cover of that book set free. And in the background, you could see the razor wire and you could see the fence. You could see the prison towers of a, uh, behind this woman. But up close in her face was a young lady in her 30s who had met the Lord Jesus Christ and was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You say, you didn't know Carla Faye Tucker, Brother Alltop. How did you, how do you know she was filled with the Spirit of God? Because the moment I saw that woman's face, she has what uh, I've heard preachers call the glow of God upon her. Her face, she was smiling ear to ear. And she would often say in interviews, they did not sentence me to death. Uh, Jesus Christ gave me life. This is not death. This is life row for me. Because when they... uh gave her, put her to death by lethal injection. She went to be with her all-loving Savior who had pardoned her and washed her from her sins in his own blood. And I'm telling you, people that are filled with the Holy Ghost, their countenance is different. And the first thing this council of unbelieving Jews notice about Stephen was his countenance. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, it shows up in the countenance. And then we see that Stephen was calm and under control. I'm amazed at how quick Christians lose control of their emotions, whether it be over some political thing or whether it be over, you know, we've passed through this uh, deal about the virus and all this going global and all that. Can I tell you something that God has taken the fear out of the future for the Christian? If you really get to studying uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit of God, you study the promises of God, you find out that God has fixed all of our real problems. You know why people are concerned about death and terrified of viruses and, and pandemics and all of these things? is simply because men are are naturally afraid of death because in their conscience they know that they're going to stand before a creator and have to give an account at the judgment of their lives. Well, I'll tell you what, when that is fixed, and brother, when you get saved, that's all settled. God's going to, he has given you righteousness if you have believed upon his son and trusted him from your heart. If he is the Lord of your life, he's going to carry you safely across that river of death and you're going home to heaven someday, and he is living in your heart right now. And you know what that does? That will bring a certain calmness and control to your spirit and to your life. Listen, Stephen is facing an angry mob that runs upon him in one accord. Listen, have you ever had a mob of people who are angry and gnashing their teeth and hollering, running at you, amen, and grabbing you and casting you out of the city, manhandling you? carrying you somewhere to to throw you down and they're picking up uh, stones and fixing to stone you to death. In other words, it's time to die. This man is about to be martyred and yet he is under complete control. He's facing death at the hands of an angry mob, but he is in total control just like the Lord Jesus was during his trial and crucifixion. Amen. Now God gave us emotions, but the spirit of God is supposed to be in control of them. We're not to be controlled by our emotions, anger, bitterness, fear, suspicion, depression, paranoia, sadness. Those things are not to dictate our lives. Instead, the Spirit of God is to bring all of those under control. And listen, our actions do not always tell the whole story. You know, the truth of the matter is, these men that are killing and martyring 
committing cold-blooded murder of Stephen. These men are Pharisees. Do you know what their life is noted by? Their life is noted by squeaky clean living and outwardly they are moral men. In fact, you read about one who's so full of self-righteousness, he doesn't mind to name off how good of a man he is. You'll read that in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 13. There is uh, the parable that Jesus Christ gave for self-righteous people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. The Pharisee and the publican go into the temple. What does the Pharisee say? He begins to enumerate to God all of the good things that he does. He says, I thank God the Lord, that I'm not like this man over here, this publican. He goes, I fast twice in the week. I tithe, you know, I tithe of all that I have. I don't commit adultery. And all of those statements were true. His activity, his outward actions were just the epitome of righteousness as far as outward action goes. However, you can't always tell the whole story by somebody's actions. I'll tell you how you can tell if someone is full of the Holy Ghost is not by their actions, but listen, by their reactions. What happens? You know, somebody, if I had a cup and it was filled with a drink and I held that cup up to you and the outside of the cup was full, I mean, it was clean and I held that cup up in front of you, you would not know what the cup was full of until I bumped the cup, until I jostled the cup. When the cup gets jostled, then whatever is filling that cup will spill out. And I'm going to tell you something, your outward actions, you may keep it clean, squeaky clean in front of the Sunday school teacher, in front of your preacher, in front of your friends. But I tell you when we know what you're full of is when you get rattled, when your cage gets rattled and your fender gets dented and you get bumped, then what spills out of you is what you're really filled with. And listen, Stephen is being manhandled and cast to the ground and about to be murdered and yet he is calm and under control. He is not under the control of fear. God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of love and of, and of a power and of a sound mind. Stephen, filled with the Holy Ghost, you can see it in his control. And then you can see it in Stephen's compassion and concern for other people. His murderers he prays for with a loud voice. It took all of his energy while he is dying and while his spirit is about to depart in death, Stephen is uh, following in the footsteps of his own Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ prayed, Father, forgive them for they know, know not what they do. That's after they had driven the nails and stood his cross up and dropped it into the ground with a thud. And when the first pain racked the Lord's body and his nerves and his wrists and feet were all set on fire with the nails piercing and wounding his precious holy body. He's hanging there and he cries out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Here, Stephen, filled with the Holy Ghost, in contrast to his antagonists, the natural men, the unsaved men who are attacking him for simply preaching the truth to him, to them, he is concerned and compassionate and says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. You say, what is that? That's a man who's filled with the Holy Ghost so much like his Savior that he is praying for those who are in the process of stoning and knocking his brains out, uh, amen, as they stand around him in anger, crying out and gnashing their teeth. And you say, what is that? That is only supernatural. That is not the way men naturally respond to persecution, to pain, to murder, to offense, 
No, my friend, this is supernatural. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, he kneels down and cries while he's dying with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. That is nothing more than the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ showing through in this man's life. How do you, how do you know that a man is filled with the Holy Ghost? Oh, it shows up in his countenance. It shows up in the control he has over his emotions and over his circumstances and over his spirit. And it shows up in his concern and his compassion for others. And lastly, I'll say this, it shows up in Stephen's confidence in the face of death. Because when he is dying, he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He can look up into heaven and see his representative, his redeemer, standing at the right hand of glory, at the right hand of the throne of God. He sees his redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus, his mediator, his advocate, his representative is standing there. Do you know how a Christian knows where he's going when he dies? Because we know that our sins have already been punished and the full extent of God's judgment and wrath has already been wrung out and poured out upon the body of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has already died our death that we so richly deserve because of our sins. He's already been punished in our place, and blessed be his wonderful name. He's already risen from the dead. And so when we believe upon him, the Spirit of God connects us to him and unites us to him. And so the Bible speaks of believers as being in Christ and Christ being in them. So his punishment, my punishment, was already meted out on my substitute. My death has already been experienced by my Savior, and my resurrection is already a reality because the man that I have trusted, that I have been connected and united to by the Spirit of God, has already resurrected. Therefore, Ephesians 2 says that believers are already seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Oh, blessed be his name. What does this do? This gives us, by the Spirit of God bearing witness to our spirit, it gives us confidence in the face of death. We no longer are in darkness. We're no longer ignorant. Uh, amen. We know where we're going when we die because our Savior has already gone there and is standing in the presence of God for us as we speak. He's at the right hand of our Father, ever living to make intercession for us. Stephen looked up and said, Lord, receive my spirit. And he died in victory there filled with the Holy Ghost, confident of where he was going when he died. And can I tell you something? Uh, Christianity is not a hope so, man, I think so, I doubt it, I don't know. What's your opinion? What do you think kind of religion? Instead, it's a constantly, it's constantly uh, buoyed up with Scripture promises that say things like, we know that if our earthly house were dissolved, we have a tabernacle uh, not made with hands, in the heavenlies, we know we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. We know it's a constant uh, a knowledge. It's, it's solid foundations to stand upon. And here Stephen dies in confidence, knowing that he was to be received. Amen, amen. There's a story of an old tombstone that uh, you can see. It was over in London, I believe. And the man who died had this etched into his tombstone. It says, take heed as you walk by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare to die and follow me.
But then some wisecracker, he added something and taped it to the headstone. And he says, to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. Amen and amen. And the truth of the matter is, you can know where you're going when you die. And you can have the witness of the Spirit of God confirming this in your death. You say, how do I know? Well, the Bible says, these things have I written unto you that believe. Did you get that? That believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that you have eternal life. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. If you're a Christian, I hope you're walking in the Spirit and know what it is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're unsaved, the first thing you must do is be born again. And that's only something God can do for you. And He'll do it the day you repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the day you do that, you'll be saved. May God help you to do that very thing today. And those of you that are saved, may you walk in the Spirit that you might not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Until next week, may the Lord bless you.